Welcome to the Single Lady Estates podcast. My name is Bobby Wasserman, and I'm the founder of Single Lady Estates. Thank you for spending some of your time with us. Today, we're focusing on life in the Midwest with one of Chicagoland's top realtors, Bryce Fuller. Bryce was born into a real estate family and has been an active broker for 19 years. He consistently sells in excess of 50 homes a year and is recognized as achieving sales in the top 1% of his market. Welcome, Bryce. Thank you, Bobby. I'm very excited to be here. I love talking to people with a unique perspective. And before you returned to your roots in Illinois, you were a screenwriter in Los Angeles. So talk to us about that experience and how that led you back to Illinois. Okay, so I have to actually go back before screenwriting. I graduated from the University of Illinois with a degree in marketing. And outside of college, I was recruited into a tech company just before the tech bubble. And after two years of working there, I was 23 years old, they let go of the entire marketing and sales force. And at 23 years old, I was looking around at people who are 35 and 45 years old, look like their life had completely ended. And I decided that was not going to be me. I did not want to be kind of stuck in a corporate environment for my entire life. And so I decided to get a second degree and I went to Columbia College, Chicago, and got a second degree in filmmaking. And after I received that degree, I decided I can't stay in Chicago and do filmmaking. So I packed up and moved to LA with my girlfriend. And I was a screenwriter out there. I served as a, uh, an assistant to a television movie director. And I was in the story editing department for a surprisingly Chicago-based production company, which had a few major hits on their resume. But after two years, the money that I had saved up uh, from my regular job ran out. And so I had to get another job. And while I um, had this second job, I noticed that I really enjoyed sales. That's one of the reasons I got a degree in marketing and sales from my university. And so I got a job selling temporary services door to door in Los Angeles. And I was very good at it. And money started coming in. And when you don't have money and then money starts coming in, it feels fantastic. So after about six months of doing that, I turned to my now wife and I said, what would you think if we moved back to Chicago? Because I wasn't writing anymore. I wasn't taking meetings with production companies anymore. And there was nothing really for me in Los Angeles anymore. And she was ecstatic. Now, I have the benefit of coming from a real estate family. So I called my, <laughs> called my mommy and I said, mommy, if I came back, would you teach me how to sell real estate? And she was over the moon. She was so excited. So while we were in Los Angeles, I took the Illinois real estate test, passed it, moved back to Illinois, and that started my career. That's a very cool story. I think it's a really great time to talk to someone that has both the West Coast and Midwest perspective, because a lot of people are moving out of California. They're cashing in on their home's equity and moving to the Midwest and the South. Can you offer a perspective for people contemplating that type of move in regards to real estate as well as lifestyle? 
Sure. So I can't speak for the entire Midwest, despite people thinking that it's just corn for days. It is a very diverse area and different areas have different cultures and different resources and different taxes, different lifestyles for sure. However, around the Chicagoland market, many people are surprised that our prices are as high as they are. However, I don't think we compare to Los Angeles. I don't think we compare to San Francisco, Miami, or New York, or some parts of Seattle, or maybe even Portland. We are more expensive than, in general, the South, and we're more expensive than other parts of the Midwest, but we're just not as expensive as Los Angeles. So you can get a lot more for your money here. What tends to shock people is the taxes. Our property taxes in Illinois are very high. They rival New Jersey or Connecticut. And that is because specifically many of the schools in our area are top rated nationally ranked schools that many people decide to send their kids to private schools. The public schools here are often superior to the private schools in the area. And so, so much of our tax dollars go towards our education system. As far as the kind of the culture goes, things move a little bit slower here. You can find very fast paced environments downtown in downtown Chicago, but overall we take time to say hello to each other and we take time to ask each other how we're doing and the niceties of interacting with people. It's not all just business. It's also about a personable relationship with each other. And so oftentimes people come from New York or they come from the West Coast and they are frustrated because we don't move quite as quickly. We are interested in each other. And so therefore conversations take a little bit longer, a beat longer than they normally would. Interesting. Yeah, I lived in Chicago in the late 90s and I loved it. I loved the people and I loved the area. I did not like the weather. <laughs> that's, a, that's coming from a Californian. I, I couldn't take the weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that is definitely a shocker to many people who come from warmer climates. Um, we do have four distinct seasons here and each one comes with its pros and cons. And there's a joke, Jim Gaffigan always talks about people from the North saying, oh, you got to stay here for the summer. The summer's the best. You got to stay for the summer. What it really means is we live nine months of the year for our three month summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you provide a snapshot of the Illinois real estate market, kind of what's happened over the past two years and how the market is looking now, especially with rising interest rates? Sure. So like so much of the national real estate market in, I would say in May of 2020, our appreciation increased by somewhere between two to three, maybe even four times what it should have done. There was a massive exodus from the city during the pandemic out to the suburbs where people could have yards and a little bit more personal breathing space. And when that happened, the prices just started to skyrocket. That has come to an end where the prices are skyrocketing. We are at a very dramatic plateau. 
I think that we are still in a seller's market compared to where we have been previously. However, homes are not selling at the same rate that they were before. So for example, in the last three months, our average market time for homes that have closed was 18 days. A home can sit on the market for about 18 days on average. That's across all price ranges, the entire Chicagoland market. Now, if you look at what the active inventory is, our average days on market is 50. So there has been a shift in market time. Technically, the delineation between a buyer's market and a seller's market is approximately 90 days on the market. So if you have under 90 days, you are still in a seller's market. If you have over 90 days, you're in a buyer's market. We are rapidly approaching a buyer's market. I don't know if we're going to get there. The economy seems to kind of be chugging along, even with the inflation, even with interest rates. So I don't know if we're going to get all the way to a buyer's market, but we'll definitely see some easing from the seller's market. It sounds very similar to what's happening in Los Angeles. But what people here are doing is that they still think they're going to get their 46 all cash offers within three days, and they're not lowering the price of their house and it's sitting there. Is that what's happening in Illinois or in the Chicagoland area where people are being unrealistic about what they can get? Well, I can't speak for the California market because it's very important that you and all of your listeners understand that real estate markets are hyper local. And what it means in Chicago is the sellers are kind of hit with a double whammy. Number one is rising interest rates. And number two is the market that I call the summer hangover. We are very cyclical in the Chicagoland market. And what that means is, is that right around February, people like to say the delineation uh, for the spring market is the Super Bowl. But right after the Super Bowl, People start thinking about putting their homes on the market and moving before summer ends. That is the hottest market of the year. The prices are the highest between March 1st and probably July 15th to July 30th. After that, the market drops off because school's starting up, the fall is starting up. People have got other things on their mind other than moving. They should already be settled. And so because prices drop off, Sellers who come on the market during that time have what I had said before is the summer hangover. We saw what other people had sold for, what your neighbors had sold for, and they want the same thing. Well, they're not going to get it because the buyers aren't there anymore. The buyers are settled. So sellers get very frustrated during this time of year because they want what their neighbors got. And so the market times start to increase. That coupled with the higher interest rates that coupled with inflation, that coupled with people who are very unsure about the economy is causing sellers to become incredibly challenged at this moment in time. Yes, they want what their neighbor got and they're not going to get it right now. Uh, Good to know about that. Are you finding any new and surprising market trends popping up post-pandemic? I am. I've been doing this for 19 years and I am noticing that the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum is not affected by the situation going on. 
homes that are priced under $200,000 or under $300,000 are very hot right now. Buyers who do FHA financing, they don't seem to be affected by the overall economy as much as those high net worth individuals, those people who are looking for homes over 500, 600, a million dollars. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that at the lower price ranges, their income is steady. They're earning their income and it's a paycheck and it comes in and they know that they can pay for their home. The higher up you go in price, the more their wealth is tied to the stock market. When you're an individual in this type of environment, the stock market is very tumultuous right now and people are very unsure of what the future holds for it. And so they are the ones that are holding back and waiting. It's a wait and see uh, situation for people who are, let's say it's 750 or a million dollars in home price. But if you're under $300,000, it's a still a blazing market in Chicago. Oh, interesting. And where in Chicago could you purchase something for under 300000 Well, you could purchase something for under $300,000 almost anywhere. Now, these are smaller homes, three-bedroom, one-bath homes, three-bedroom, two-bath homes, maybe a one-car detached garage. I would say that in blue-collar neighborhoods, hardworking families who might make $60,000 a year to $70,000 a year, it's a sweet spot right now. What about investors? Are investors coming in and grabbing those homes, or is it still really someone that's going to live there full time? Chicago is an interesting real estate market in that investors, for the most part, have stayed away from kind of that bulk buying. The iBuyers, they're, they're not really in Chicago like they are in Arizona or in some of these tract housing developments throughout the West and the South. We have an older population of homes. There's not a lot of new construction in the Chicagoland market. You have to kind of go out into those cornfields to find the new construction. And the bulk investors, they're staying out of those new developments because the values haven't stabilized yet. So even though we do have subdivisions in Chicagoland, the subdivisions are pretty small. They might have 50 homes in them. And the iBuyers find it very difficult to decide on values here. So the bulk buyers are out. There are people who flip and are very successful at flipping. There are individual investors who come in and understand the micro markets in the area and they will buy and they will invest. But companies like Open Door or the Zillow iBuying group, they stay out of this area. Oh, so which is better for people that are looking to purchase a primary residence, I would assume. Absolutely. The competition is definitely lower. Great. I've heard that in like Arizona or Las Vegas, that the iBuyers were coming in and just gobbling up everything, making it next to impossible to purchase a home. And now they control the market and can basically control the prices. We don't have that here. Excellent. Excellent. I want to shift a little bit to your team and the new concept of teams in real estate. 
I really like that your team is your family, all of whom have real estate experience. Can you talk about how the real estate profession is changing with the addition of these teams versus sole agents? Sure. So I like to think of a team as being a more effective business entity to work with, especially when you're buying a home, than working with an individual agent. Because, well, think about this. If you go to your dentist, you have a receptionist who greets you. You have a hygienist who will clean your teeth. And you may have a x-ray technician who will take your x-rays. And then the dentist comes in, pokes around for a little bit, gives you a thumbs up and says, off you go. Each one of those people has their job and they're very good at what they do. With my team, what I'm able to do is I'm able to get to know my clients personally. I can have my marketing assistant who is fantastic at marketing properties, take the photographs with the professional photographer and design the write-up and create the brochures and design the mailings, all of these different things that you don't have to have a license for. But I can actually hire somebody who's more specialized in marketing than I am. I have a contract care administrator who is really terrific with paperwork. I'm an unorganized individual, and the paperwork has to be perfect for compliance, for the client experience. And so I turn all of my paperwork over to my contract care manager, and she takes it through from a signed contract all the way through to closing, making sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Because I'm often in the car, I'm showing property, marketing my property, or having lunch with a client, and I can't be in front of a computer all of the time. So I need these people on my team to really effectively take care of my clients, doing those jobs that don't need me personally to do them. The nice thing for me is that I work with my mother and I work with my wife. So any licensed activities, I always have availability. There's always somebody who can show that home. There's always somebody who can go on an appointment if we need it. We always have somebody who can meet the appraiser or inspector. Plus, we also have our specialists in marketing and in contract care and accounting and bookkeeping that can do everything else that is non-licensed activity work. Oh, excellent. Now, Single Lady Estates is a community of primarily single women. So what would women need to look for in a real estate team? Like, What questions should they ask to ensure that they're going to get the time and attention they need as a buyer or a seller? Well, the most important thing holds true for all clients. When you are looking for a representative, a real estate consultant to help you with a home purchase or a home sale, you need to communicate with that individual what your expectations are. And the nice thing for individuals who work with a team is different team members have different personalities. And you'll often spend a lot of time with the real estate team or the professional who you hire. So you'll want to make sure that you feel comfortable with them, make sure that you communicate effectively with them, make sure that the communication that you do have uh, is in sync. If you are a texting person, make sure that your realtor texts 
If you like email or voicemail, make sure that they will do that. Clearly lay out what your expectations are. If you can only work to look for homes between five in the evening and eight o'clock, make sure that you tell your realtor that. Because if you hire your friend and your friend is unavailable during that time and that's the only time you're available, you will get terrible service. You will get frustrated and your relationship will be strained. So make sure that the realtor fits your lifestyle, not the other way around. That's excellent advice. Thank you. So when it comes to the Chicagoland area, what are women looking for in a home that might differ from a couple or a single man? It's a great question. I noticed that single women are looking for safety and security. Condominiums often feel like a safer environment than a single family home, especially one that has an attached garage with it. So you could go directly from your garage in the basement or in the garage facility into the condominium building directly without having to step out onto the street or into the elements. It's also dependent on whether the single individual has children or not. So schools are very important and often the proximity to the school is important as well. And so the closer you are to a central community area, oftentimes the easier the lifestyle is because the child can have their own resources and take care of themselves as well. That can be a little bit easier for them. Like here's a great example. I'm currently working with a single mother who has two teenage daughters and she is looking for a condominium with an attached garage, actually two spaces because one of the daughters can drive. And she wanted it also near train and transportation because she will be working in downtown Chicago. And so We have a condominium under contract that is three blocks from the train in this downtown community called Northbrook, and it does have two garage spaces. So it kind of checks all the boxes as to what she's looking for. Plus, the neat thing is is that it's within her budget, and she still gets to experience the lifestyle of very close grocery shopping and restaurants, parks, and entertainment right outside her front door. Oh, nice. That sounds great. As we've talked about before, Chicago can have brutal, brutal winters. What do women that are new to the area need to know about buying a home in a state with four distinct seasons? Well, the truth is, is that whether they are women or men or families in Chicago, you need more clothes. Four (laughs) distinct seasons. You need to have jackets and boots along with your shorts, and your t-shirts. And so storage and closets are very, very important. You also need to understand the different building material in the Chicagoland market. So the roofs here are not the same as they are in California. I know that in California, there's a lot of Spanish tile that would crack here, it would break, it would shatter. So we use a lot of asphalt shingles We also use hardy board siding a lot. Uh, Brick is a traditional material that we use a lot here. And something else that's important when people move to the Chicagoland market is to think about your utilities. Your utilities tend to be higher here than in California because you need both heating and cooling. So 
the efficiency and how heating systems work here is important to know. So we can have gas forced air heat, which is the most typical. We can have radiant heat with hot water running through radiators or through the floor. We can have electric forced air heating. We have solar, although the solar, the solar electric heating is not, is not caught on quite as much as it has in other parts of the country. The other thing that are, that's important is access to transportation. With the snow here, you need to be able to have easy access to trains or to bus systems because driving everywhere in the winter can put you into a situation where you'll be stuck in traffic for a long time. That's really important as someone who's lived in Chicago. And so that proximity to the trains and to public transportation, does it impact the price of the property? Like the farther you are, does the property go down or a noticeable difference? Yeah, absolutely. The further you are from town centers, the further you are from Chicago, the price drops dramatically. And the access to first and foremost, the train system, which is fantastic in Chicago. The population moves around by train very, very easily. They run constantly. And I'm located, I would say, about 15 miles outside of the city center. And people will relocate out of the city, but want to be within one mile or walking distance to the train. They know that it runs maybe 30 times a day in and out of the city. They really want to be able to walk or they want to be able to ride their bikes to that train station to get downtown. The further out you go, A, the longer it takes to get downtown, and B, usually the further you are from any type of train station. But when you do get out far, it's always the in-town locations that have the highest price tags. Okay, good to know. So what questions really do you need to ask yourself when you're considering an area like Chicago or another area that might have the four distinct seasons? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing to think about is what type of lifestyle do you see yourself having? You can live in the city of Chicago, which is fantastic. It is gorgeous. Don't listen to the national media. Chicago is a beautiful city and there is so much diversity. There is so much culture. The food is the best in the entire country. I promise you that. And if you live in the city of Chicago, you can use public transportation or ride sharing services and you can get anywhere very quickly. You can have a fantastic social life and not need to have a car. That is one thing to think about. The further out you go, it becomes a little quieter. You have to travel a little bit further in order to enjoy the different experiences like the beach, which our beach is beautiful. I know that people don't think about Chicago and and a beach, but the beach on the lake is awesome. It's just such a great experience. And it's something that I encourage everybody just to travel here and hang out for a day at the beach. But you have to travel further for the beach. You have to travel further for sporting events and social events. However, you get a little bit more space. You get pleasant yards and you get less traffic. And you each town in Chicago also has its own type of personality. So, for example, my town, it actually doubles in size every day because we have 
so many corporate headquarters here. We have about 35,000 people in my town, but our population during the day between nine and five goes to 60,000 people. So we actually have fantastic lunch places and we have terrific shopping here because people want to do something on their lunch breaks. We actually have fantastic resources in this kind of bedroom community outside of Chicago. And so my advice is research. Research what it is that you like. What are you looking for in a community? What type of lifestyle do you want? Do you want the hustle and bustle of downtown living? Or do you want something a little slower paced? Do you want something where you can still enjoy the benefits of living near a giant metropolitan area? You know, And you can even go further if you want to be rural and still have access to it within an hour. Yes, which is really unique because I've been through those cornfields. <laughs> yes. So what would be the three top tips you could give potential homebuyers in the Illinois market? Okay, so the first tip is this. Before you ever look for a home, you need to define what's important to you. And this goes, this is true across the board, no matter where you're going to live. Sit down without your real estate broker and decide what type of price range are you looking for? What type of condition are you looking for? What amenities are important to you? When you wake up in the morning, where do you envision yourself living? What do you envision yourself doing? Do you go golfing? Do you go to the gym? Do you meet up with friends? That is so important to think about these things before you ever buy a home. Because where you live will dictate your access to these experiences. Number two is be patient and research. Interview. Interview agents. Talk to people in the communities that you're thinking about. Jump on social media, ask questions. Don't just jump into a house because it looks pretty on the outside and you like the red door. Don't just buy the first house you see with the kitchen of your dreams because your home is so much more than the fixtures inside. So take your time, be patient, experience the community a little bit. Find an Airbnb and spend a weekend there. Don't just write your check because you like the gold bathroom tile work. You know, <laughs> it's a, a home is, is more than the bricks and mortar and you should treat it seriously like that. The third piece of advice is make sure that you have completely explored your financials. That means, do you have a budget? Know what you can afford. Have you taken into account the taxes and the utilities and the insurance? Have you looked at the prices in the area, the gas prices? I live on the border between two counties, and the gas prices in one county are dramatically different than the county that I live in. And so I often just flip over to the border to buy my gas because it saves me 10 cents a gallon. And the two gas stations are right next to each other, and there is a dramatic difference in prices because they're in two different counties. So you have to look at all of these different factors of your life to make sure that you are comfortable with your purchase and that you can afford it financially. I went through the downturn in 2008 and 9, the mortgage crisis, and there is nothing worse in this life that I have experienced than being home poor and not knowing if you're going to be able to afford your mortgage payment. And so 
Look at your budget very carefully and make sure that it jives with whatever home you're looking at. And that is so true. And one of the issues that have come up is you don't have to buy a home at the top of your budget. Absolutely. If you come home after working or working out or a social event and you come home and you look at your house and you kind of go, ugh, that's a terrible feeling. Yes. And if you come home and you're like, this is an easy part of my life, you will love it all the more. So thank you. A lot of great information. You really provided a great perspective for all home buyers and women home buyers, as well as people moving to a new state and people going from like a seasonless existence to a very distinct season experience. Where can people interested in Illinois real estate find you? So I work at a brokerage called Baird and Warner, and I work in Glenview, Illinois. My telephone number is 847-208-7888. You can find me online at thefullerforce.com or find me on Facebook and social media all over the place. Thank you everyone for listening. On the anniversary of the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, we hosted a dynamic group of professional women from millennials to beyond boomers about life before and after women had access to credit. So check that out on our website, singleladyestates.com or go to Talk Shop Live where you can subscribe to our slate of shows beginning in January, 2023.